Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Am I on or not? I think I'm on. Good. My name is Nate Wagner. I'm one of the pastors here at Portico Church. It's really good to be with you. As Johnny said, if you didn't catch it at the very beginning, this is what we call family worship Sunday, and we do it four times a year, and we do it for two purposes. The primary purpose is that we want the kids in here with us because we want them to be formed and shaped in the same way that God's people have been formed and shaped since the beginning of time. And that is by gathering with the people of God, singing songs of praise to God, sitting under the word of God, and seeing the sacraments, which are pictures of the gospel for us. And so, kids, you are so welcome here, and we're really glad that you're here. And also, just an acknowledgement, it's going to be a little bit louder than it usually is because kids make noise, and that's okay. That's actually joyful noise to the Lord, and this is about him. Like, our worship is about God. And so I just wanted to kind of put that out there for you because I know that for me, sometimes I want to have it nice and quiet and I want to be able to think very clearly and to receive. And all that's good, but it's also all about me. And so God is pleased that we have our kids in here with us and he takes great joy and delight in that. And the kids actually teach us about who God is as well. So you all are welcome, and it's great to have you guys here. Um, just a couple of quick announcements. The first is that today is the last day to register your child if you want to take part in the child dedication that's happening, happening on November 13th, a Sunday in two weeks. Um, and so make sure you get that in before the buzzer today. Um, if you want to be a part of that, please register. And then secondly is welcome. If you're new or visiting or have been here a couple times, um, welcome. We're really glad that you're here, and we hope that um, you do feel welcome, and we hope that you actually experience what it means to, um, to know God and to meet his people and be greeted by God through his son. That's what we do here at Portico. So welcome. If you would like to talk to somebody on the way out, Kyle and Haley Norris, our hospitality team, will be standing kind of in the hallway, um, ready to greet you and connect you to the life of the church in any way that you desire. I would also love to meet you as well. So thank you for being here with us. All right, we are taking a break from Hebrews this morning. And this is going to be something new that we do every time we have family worship, is we're going to take a break from our normal sermon series, and we're actually going to do a prolonged topical series that just goes through the storyline of the Bible. So if you've taken foundations with us, which we just had a class yesterday, you know that the storyline of the Bible, how the Bible unfolds as one big story, is creation, fall, redemption, new creation. And so we're starting off with creation this morning. And so it's going to be a little bit shorter, a little bit simpler. The points will be up on the screen. So parents, if you are distracted for a minute, you can just kind of catch up with where we're at based on the um, points on the screen. And we're just covering one verse. And it's the first verse of the Bible. And this is a verse that you probably know by heart. And if you don't, you will by the end of today because it's so easy. Um, but... It's an epic beginning. It's an epic beginning to the story of the world, of the universe. And it's an epic beginning to the scriptures. 
we're going to be looking at Genesis 1-1. It's the very first page of the Bible, and it's very simple. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and we are reminded of your power, of your beauty, of your majesty, of your rule, of your sovereignty over everything that exists because you have made it. And so, Lord, as we open up your word, as we seek your scriptures, I ask that you would give us a fresh understanding that just as the song that we sang asked us to do, that we would ponder anew your excellencies and who you are, that you would make that fresh to us again. And so, Lord, we ask that your spirit would be here with us just as it was with creation in the very beginning, and that you would do a work in us to wake us up to who you are. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Who here likes to get a new toy? Yes. More adults are raising their hands than kids. That's right. Yes. I also like to get new toys. But here's the problem that I have identified. Toys do not stay new. How many times have you gotten a toy that you were so excited about, and then within like two weeks, and maybe that's long, it's collecting dust and dirt and cobwebs somewhere in a corner of your yard? Or you're looking forward to the next model so that you can get that feeling again, so that you can experience afresh something that is given to you that you desire, that you want. I know that we all look forward to things like that because we have this thing called Amazon that's made a lot of money doing that, giving us packages, giving us presents, giving us the toys that we want, and it captivates our imaginations, and we're consumed by it. We look forward to it, but then we forget about it, and it fades away. And I would say that for a lot of us, that is kind of what happens with creation. Creation is kind of like this magnificent, beautiful toy that just is full of treasures and wonder, but it kind of becomes plain and bland over time, and we forget what it is supposed to do. And so here this morning, I want us to recover the very purpose of creation as we reflect on the fact that God created the heavens and the earth. I want us to recover what God intended creation to do from the very beginning. And so we're going we're gonna to look at something very simple. It's that the gift of creation is actually an invitation from our creator to know him, to worship him, to fear him, and to trust him. So God wants us to know him, to worship him, to fear him, and to trust him through creation. So let's start with knowing him. In the beginning, God. So let's just stop there. What those words mean 
if you think about it. If you think about the fact that in the beginning, God was already there, is that God was there before the beginning. He created the beginning. And so what this tells us about God is something that is going to push us to the limits of what we can actually understand. And that is that God is eternal. He is uncreated. He has always existed. He is outside of time. In the beginning, God. And in his creative work, he actually puts into creation imprints of who he is. He shows himself off through what he has created. And so let's get a little bit of help to understand how we can know God through what, has creation, what he has created. And we're going to flip to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 25 and 26. And we're going to see how uncomparable God is in these verses. Verse 25. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes high and see who created these. Who brings out their host by number? He's telling us to look up to the stars and consider them. That he brings them out by number and he calls them by name. By the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power, there's not one that is missing. So we are to consider the stars something that God has created. And as we look at the stars, we should be in awe that he is powerful and mighty to bring those into existence. Here's how crazy this is, if you stop and think about it. Our little world is in a solar system, which is in a galaxy. In a galaxy there's on average about a billion stars. A billion stars in a galaxy. In the universe, what we know, we don't even know of the whole universe, but what we do know, there's about a billion galaxies. So kids, anybody know what a billion times a billion is? Because I do not. <laughs> but I know that it's a really big number. It's a really big number. It's beyond our ability to comprehend it. Think about that for a minute. We are called to know a God who has created a billion times a billion stars, of which our sun is a tiny one. How powerful is God? We can know a little bit about his power as we consider the stars, as we look up at the sky. And here is what will happen when you do that. I know it does for me. I think it does for almost everybody. In fact, I think even people who wouldn't identify themselves as Christians or as really religious in any way, they also do this. And that is when they are struck by the beauty and the majesty and the wonder of creation, they want to worship. 
And so creation is an invitation not only to know God, but to worship him. Think about when you see something breathtaking, when you see a beautiful sunset. Sometimes I'll be um, up early in the morning and I see other people up and the sunrise is just splendid and beautiful. And to, to like every person, 100% of the time, what do you think they do when they see the sunrise? Yes, they'd pull out their phone and take a picture. Why? It's because they see something beautiful and it speaks to them. It communicates something that is beyond. It's transcendent. It's beauty that is transcendent. And they're trying to capture it. And that is an aspect of worship. Another way that creation causes us and invites us to worship God is that we understand intuitively that creation is a gift, that we receive good things from creation. And when we receive those good things, we, want, we are filled with gratitude. And again, this is a universal human experience. This isn't just um, limited to Christians, but this is a universal human experience. Now, where that gratitude goes might change. It might go to kind of like a very... Um, inanimate kind of like catch-all phrase like the universe, like thank you universe for giving me this beautiful sunset, right? And that's just a way of saying there's something out there, there's something other, there is something beautiful that transcends me that I want to give thanks. And giving thanks is a crucial part of how we worship. Another way that we worship and that creation invites us to worship is that creation itself is worshiping. Creation is worshiping. Psalm 19.1 gives us a little insight into this. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. That's an active speaking so as the heavens above shine, as the stars shine down, it's as if they are shouting, God is glorious. God is powerful. He is mighty and he is beautiful. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. I was thinking about this this morning as I was coming to the building this morning. And this is a beautiful time of year. The trees are on fire. <laughs> they are incredibly beautiful. And if you stop and just look at it, it will kind of cause you to just reflect and to be in awe of how beautiful these trees are. So why are the trees beautiful right now? I know that there's enough smart people in here that I'm going to get some equation to tell me. But why does that equation exist? What is the purpose of the beauty? Well, Psalm 19.1 seems to be telling us that the leaves changing colors, it's like the very trees are thanking God for the year of sun and rain, for the nutrients that are in the soil. And in their praise, in their thanking of God, in their gratitude, 
they show off the beauty of their nature. So their worship, their gratitude corresponds to their nature as trees, and that's how God created it. Now, God has created us to do the same thing, but he has created us in our human nature, and he shows us how to worship him. It's by receiving his revelation. It's by knowing him and responding to him with a life of sacrifice, with a life of gratitude, with a life of joy. And then, specifically, he calls us to sing. We are commanded to sing because it corresponds with our nature. God has made us to sing. He has made us to sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to him, lifting our voices as one people, offering thanks to him, worshiping him together. He has made us to pray to him, to get on our knees, to lift our hands. He has made us to view everything that we have and everything that we do as an act of worship. So whether that's going to work and working as unto the Lord or going to school and seeing your schoolwork as an act of worshiping God for giving you a brain that can learn and ears that can hear and eyes that can see and process information. It's all worship. And so creation itself is what God provides to us to invite us into worshiping him. But you can't worship what you don't fear, at least not for very long. Because worship implies transcendence. It, uh, it implies that there is something greater, that you are a subject worshiping something greater. And so creation is actually also helpful as it invites us to fear the Lord. It invites us to fear the Lord. And it does this in a lot of different ways. Here is one of the ways that it does this. And we're going to turn to the book of Job and try and learn from Job. The context here is that Job has been involved in immense suffering. And he has a lot of questions about his suffering because he didn't deserve any of it. He didn't do anything to cause his suffering. It happened to him. He was a victim and he understood God is sovereign. God is in control. So how is it that a good God can allow me to suffer? And so what Job was doing in his anguish, in his pain, is he was putting himself as judge over God. And God loves Job. He loves Job so much that he actually appears to Job to answer him. He says, okay, Job, you deserve answers. You might not like them, and they might not be the answers that, to the questions that you're asking, but they are answers to the questions that you have to ask. Because God does not tell Job why he caused him to suffer, why Job was allowed to suffer all of those things. Instead, God appears to him and goes through all of creation and asks Job one question. Where were you when these were made? Do you understand their purpose? Where does the wind come from, Job? Why is it that cold makes the water freeze? 
Do you know any of this? And so he's going through this, and I'll just read a little bit of it. I'm not going to read the whole thing. This is in Job 38, verses 22 through 24. He says, Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or have you seen the storehouses of hail, which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? What is the way to the place where light is distributed? or where the east wind is scattered upon the earth. What God is doing there, what he's reminding Job, is something that we learned in the very beginning. It's that God is creator, and Job is creature. Job is asking questions that he can't understand, because he's limited by time. But God gives him something that he can understand. He says, Job, I am God, not you. I am the creator. I know how the hail works. I have created it. I know how to form snow and cause snow to fall on the earth. That's me at work. And he does this through all of creation. And the impact is that Job is silent. And he just offers himself to God. Because he realizes, no matter where I go or what happens to me, this is God. And he's everywhere. And he's immense. And he's powerful. And so there is a fear that creation brings us when we think about it being a product of a creator Think about the most devastating natural disaster, which makes our weapons of war look tiny and impotent. And that is just a whisper of the power of God. Just a whisper of it. These these natural disasters that shut down entire countries, that devastate our most intricately built strongholds. It's just a whisper of the power of God. And creation also reminds us of something. Creation also reminds us that it is under a curse. That creation actually is not a willing friend to us anymore. Because of human rebellion, the entire created order of this globe is under curse. And God established people as the heads of creation, as the vice regents, as the stewards of creation, to rule over creation and to reflect God's goodness. And instead, we aligned ourselves with Satan, with evil, with death, with destruction. And it has created a fracture in the natural relationship that the created order has with us. And so we can think of the most terrifying animals that come to our mind. I think a great white shark is probably at the top of the list, personally. Grizzly bears, mountain lions, tigers, snakes. All of these creatures are at odds with us, not because... That's how it was intended to be, but because we have brought 
sin, death, and destruction into this world, and they don't recognize us as a good steward anymore. And so they are at odds with us. And so this should also cause us to fear because it's a reminder of the consequences of our sin before the holy God who has created all of it. And it should cause us to fear. But then we're invited to trust. And all godly fear, all fear in the way that scripture talks about fearing God will lead you to trust God. Will lead you to trust God. So I'm going to turn to Matthew 6 now, verse 26. And Jesus is telling people to not be anxious. And he says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into, into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So Jesus points to creation to show us the intimate dynamic of trust that people can have with their creator. Look at how God cares for his creation. Even the smallest things, the most seemingly insignificant and anonymous things are cared for providentially by God's loving hand. He calls God here, your heavenly father is caring for them. Your perfect father and provider is caring for the birds. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Trust him for that. Creation also causes us to trust God because it is always an ever-present reminder that we are dependent, that we need him. Here's how you can experience that. Go out into nature. Don't check the weather and go hike for a whole day. You will realize very quickly that you are completely and utterly dependent on God's care for you as you are exposed to the natural elements. Because there are things at work, there are things that you can't control. We spend so much of our lives in temperature-controlled environments, in controlled environments that we manicure and we cultivate so that we can rest, so that we don't have to worry. And here's the ridiculous thing, is that God is saying creation, the very thing that we try and protect ourselves from so often, actually is an invitation into trusting him so that you can rest in that. That as you depend on God, he will deliver. He will show himself trustworthy. And then ultimately, we actually look beyond creation. We look beyond the sparrows and we look to Jesus himself. We look to the one who is saying these very words, who's instructing us to look there. And we know that we can trust God because the creator became creation. The creator became a creature and he did that for you.
He lived a perfect human life. He offered himself as a perfect sacrifice to atone and to pay for your sins, to undo the damage that was built by our rebellion, by rejecting God. He solves that problem by his death on the cross. And in his resurrection, he points forward to a new life, to an eternal life that whoever trusts him will join him in and participate in that resurrection life even now as we wait for it. He has made a way for us to be reconciled to God. And he is inviting us into a new creation that he will reveal when he returns. And right now, right now for us, for all of us in here, just like the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, forming things that were void and without form into beauty, into order, into these beautiful ecosystems that show off the glory of God, just like the Spirit was hovering over those waters doing that work, the Spirit is at work in us. The Spirit hovers over us and creates in us a new heart. He creates in us a heart that knows him, that worships him, that fears him, and that trusts him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are beyond our ability to understand fully, and yet, Lord, you have shown us yourself in the very things that you have created. And yet, God, because of our sin, we, we often twist that. We often start worshiping creation instead of you. We often start fearing other things instead of you. And we need to be redeemed. We need that new heart. All of us, Lord. And so we ask that this morning here that we would again be reminded of your work in your people, that your spirit is hovering over us, is forming us into people that know you truly, that worship you in purity of heart, that fear you because of who you are, but who are also led to trust you in every situation. And so no matter where we are this morning, maybe we are in need of trusting you for the thousandth time or maybe we are in need of trusting you for the first time. Lord, we call upon your spirit to do that work that you have promised to your people, that we would truly know you and love you here this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the beauty of your creation, but we thank you especially because it points to you. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.